0: I'm Jeff Stewart, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. In this episode, we are going to feature the second part of our interview with Lisa Valentine Clark. Now, you probably have noticed that we are dividing the podcast interviews into separate parts each week. So, make sure you go back to the previous episode where we have our introduction with Lisa Clark and she gets to tell her story. And there's a lot of context there that you're going to want to have. So, if you haven't heard that part, make sure you go back to episode 145 where we interview Lisa and talk about. Her story with her husband. The basic story is that her husband was diagnosed with ALS, otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease, about seven years ago. And he fought a very valiant battle with it. And they tried to approach this from a place of positivity, honesty, courage, compassion, and bless so many lives. And it obviously fundamentally changed their family forever. And Lisa has spoken publicly about that journey of losing her husband and what that's been like for her. They both are very public people. They both have very public careers, and their story is so inspirational. And there's so many lessons we can learn about grief and loss and dealing with the unexpected with grace and with humor and with community. So in this episode, we continue that fantastic discussion. And really quickly, let me just give you a quick rundown of who Lisa Valentine Clark is. She has a bachelor's degree from Brigham Young University, and she was part of the original sketch comedy improv troupe, The Garens, and since then has been featured in a variety of commercials, including The Real Mom and the viral video for Chatbooks. And she does a lot of freelance writing for commercials, web series, scripts, and she's an author. She was on the improv TV show called Show Offs. She's been in movies like Stalking Santa and Once I Was a Beehive and Once I Was Engaged. And her current project is, she is the host of the weekly podcast, The Lisa Show on BYU Radio. And Lisa and her late husband, Christopher, have five children. So let's jump into our second part of our interview with Lisa Valentine Clark.
1: So, yeah, I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about the how, about how you do that. So when you're presented with something that is so, you know, distasteful, then how do you make the transition in your asking of the question, even what am I going to? Are you, are you saying to yourself, what can I do so that I can feel better or what can I do so I have something to give? What, where does all that go? I think it's highly individual for different people. You know, I have a really good friend who understands disappointment and grief in a pretty significant way. And she always tells me, do you know what you have to do right now? And she makes me say it out loud. I'm like, <laughs> I get to do whatever I want whenever I want." Oh, and it's like she's trying to empower me because she recognizes in me that like, I wanted to do grief right. Like I wanted to get through it. I wanted to make sure I was so hyper-focused on Chris's care that when he died, I did not know what to do with myself. I mean, Mm -hmm. by the time he passed away, like I was cleaning up his drool. I was shaking him up. I was, I was checking his meds and checking his oxygen. Like I was constantly touching him every minute and a half, like obsessed with taking care of him. And then he died. And I was like, what do people do with their hands? And what do people just work? And what we have dinner, like what, this is like, I was so focused. So then of course, all my focus went to be like, are my kids okay and are they, you know, how are they all dealing with grief and school and da da, 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 da You know, because I was doing that before, but now it's like, oh, let's amp this up, right? Yeah, and you
0: have room. <laughs>
1: then once it became clear that everyone's okay and that hyper focus is not helping, then I I didn't know what to do. I wanted to learn the lesson, get through the grief as fast as I can, so I didn't feel like I was feeling it was overwhelming. And I thought this isn't fair. I didn't do anything wrong. In fact. I sacrificed. And now I feel horrible
0: (laughs) (laughs) because I wish
1: I were still doing it. So that idea of what do you want to do right now and taking ownership of it became difficult, but like the key to not staying stuck, you know, like knowing and having confidence that Christopher was so grateful and so kind about how I took care of him that I knew he felt bad. Like here I am just sitting in this chair and you're running around and you're, Working full time and you're taking care of the kids and you're taking care of me. And I feel guilty. And I was like, don't feel guilty, like, because you were a good husband. And I know that if you could help, you would, because you did. And so I didn't want him to feel bad, but I felt like me then living my life and doing what I want to do was honoring that Mm. Of, of saying, I heard you, Christopher, and I believe you, and I would want the same for you. And sometimes staying stuck. And not making any decisions and just being immobile and not making any decisions is kind of selfish, right? Like it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like almost willing, like time just to stop, you know, and it doesn't. And my people Mm -hmm. need me and I need them. And Christopher would say to me before he died, you know, just, you don't honor me by being miserable when I'm gone. And because he'd say... I think you're going to do this. And I'm excited for this. And I'd be like, no, that's gross. I'm not doing anything when you die. Like I didn't, like, I couldn't think about it. And he'd say, I don't know if you're kidding or not. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't actually know right. if I'm kidding or not. Cause I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm always like, I don't care if we live in a trailer down by the river, as long as we're together, we can face anything. And I was like, yeah. So what happens when what? we don't what? get to face anything? Wait a second. There's a flaw in my plan. And so the actual how of that is so individual, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, again, we all know this, these people who, and I can see how it happens and I'm a lot less judgmental of it, who one event or one thing that happens and they're never the same. And listen, Mm -hmm. none of us are ever the same. I'm never the same, but never the same. And is that they don't want to be better because they think it's going to like somehow being loyal to that, like grief and pain means that they didn't love or, or didn't honor and you know here chris was telling me before he died the actual opposite like right. honor the love and the marriage that we had and the love that you have for our family by living and doing things and really living life and not just like preserving everything and and always trying to have like a a shadow of the life that you had before it's going to be so different and embrace it and and i think that looks like doing things that, that bring you joy. And you have to first do that by like knowing yourself. And so, I mean, I think in the beginning too, for me, I just made a list of people who I loved and trusted. And like one of my best friends was like, you need a new hobby. Like you have some hobbies and you're going to do that and you're going to focus, but I think you need something new. And so she gave me a new hobby and told me do this. And I was like, okay. And I did it. And now I love this new hobby. And so.
0: Oh, do tell, what is it?
1: Oh, it's kind of dumb. I love it though. So it's her hobby that I stole, my friend Casey. She was like, th- I'm doing this project and this will will focus your attention and get you to concentrate on stuff. Yeah. And you love, I love lists and things. So I started collecting vinyl records and you would get one record for every year you've been alive. And it seems oh. really easy, but sometimes a lot of really great seminal records have come out the same year. And you have to make a list of criteria of why you chose that record and why it's like, and then you have to find it. And sometimes they're out of print and stuff like that. And then you collect it. And every year, you know, you study the year. So you listen to a lot of different albums. And if you're old school, like me, because I'm a Gen Xer, then you have to listen to the record in order. Order, You know, yes. There's this whole like subculture to it. And so... So that's my new hobby.
0: So that's I love that. Yeah, we're both we both turned forty eight this year, mm-hmm. and so I think that you just gave me a new hobby. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, it's a great oh, hobby. Go see Sam it. Cannon
1: yeah. over at Three Hive. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So we'll start nineteen seventy four. Work yeah. our way up,
1: and then you get know, a fun thing to talk about and things like that. But all I'm saying is, is like I would have yeah. never thought about that before. I was forced to. Yeah. I've always had so many different interests and things like that, but when. Chris passed away. Like the world stopped.
0: Yeah. And
1: and I had to think about breathing and living and what I was going to do. And you just do it little
0: by little. Your life is movement. Like, I mean, right. It's movement. It's absolutely. I want to ask a different question about the role of humor if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that humor, like you said earlier, it, it can come from trauma and from shock. And we do it as a way to kind of avoid pain or discomfort. But it also has a healing quality too. And it can it can help us get back to the hard work we have to do. This is a little bit philosophical, but what what's your take on the role of humor and laughter and healing, especially with tragedy?
1: Oh, I think that it, it. I think people don't use it enough. You know, I think people think that in my mind, there's like two or three things that I will never joke about and everything else is fair game. And uh, other people are really precious to use that word again about how they like, should I laugh about this? Or can I laugh about this? And I think that it's the best way to connect people. You know, you get an inside joke with somebody, you're going to be best friends with them forever, right? This is a way to bond a family together, you have the same family jokes, the same humor, the connection, it relieves stress, it has physical benefits, it has mental health benefits to it. And don't you just want to be around people who are funny all the time? Don't you just want to be around people who? Yeah, who you feel loved by and who make you laugh because that was Chris Clark and everybody wanted to be around him. And you know, and I think sometimes too, that we think that it's a betrayal to somebody. and there's different kinds of humor. but I'm talking about humor and joy in its purest sense that's not mean. that's not like dumb. I mean actually dumb humor is pretty great. but um, <laughs> but like I just mean mean, mean spirited yeah, or
0: at the expense of someone at the else.
1: expense of somebody. But just mm-hmm. like pure, like this is absurd. Mm-hmm. And we should be laughing at it. And I think some people think, well, if I'm not funny, then I can't laugh. But I think it's a universal language. I really do. Like if you look at little kids, they just, this is one of the first things we get them to do is to smile, right? Or to giggle. And so somehow we've, we think it has to be sophisticated. I don't know. We live in a great day and age where there's a lot of funny stuff around that we can just share with other people. And that is a form of like sharing humor. You don't have to be the one doing it or cultivating it. But I think being able to laugh easy is just a great quality that I look for in, in my people. And I just think we should use it more. Did it take you a while to be able to laugh easy? I've always been someone that laughs too fast, too hard. <laughs> too fast. But I'll tell you, after Chris died and I, for the first time in my life, cried more than I laughed, mm-hmm. I thought, hmm. This may be a fundamental shift in me. And after about the like the first six months, I just thought, oh, I think I'm different now. And I think something broke inside of me. And I don't think that I will ever really laugh in the same way. And I also don't think that I'm funny. And then my friends were making a movie and they were like, We really want you to come and do it, but we want to we don't know how to talk to you about this because we don't want to be disrespectful. Cause our friend and your husband just died. So we don't know what to do, you know. Good friends that we can just talk really openly with. Yeah. And I said, Listen, I think I'm broken. I don't think I can act and be funny. I don't and do improv anymore. I just don't think I can do it. And I don't want to like waste your time and waste your money. Like, so just recast it. And they were like, and I and my really good friend, one of my best friends, Haley, who I do show-offs with and I've done improv with for our, and we've done movies together. She said, Oh Lisa, you're so, so dumb. <laughs> You're just dumb, dumb. And I'm sorry that you feel that way. And she just, and she totally made me laugh. And I was like, I'm serious. I'm, <laughs> Don't try weird. to make this funny. I'm a sad widow now. <laughs> like, comedy. And she's like, okay, okay. So I'll get you a veil. And you have to be at the studio at this time. And we're shooting this day. And I honestly said, honestly, I had. I, Would just like burst out into tears all the time. My grief was just, I didn't know how to carry it yet. And I was like, this is forever. And I was feeling so sorry for myself. And it was months after and just, oh, I hated that. And she said, you need to go and laugh with your friends. Let's go do this. If you cry in the middle of a take, we'll stop. We'll have makeup, touch you up, and then we'll keep doing it. I won't let you fail. And because I loved her so much or do... And I trusted her. I did it. And that was just one of the best memories. And I had this really great experience where we were all sitting on the beach after f- filming this movie. And I just felt like this overwhelming, like Chris would be so happy that I did. Yes, I am honoring him. I just knew it. Yes. Like it just was appear, and he didn't. <laughs> I wish he would. He missed his cue. As if, I know. I was like, just appear <laughs> on the beach and then this will be like the best story but I just felt like his excitement, like, like, yeah. yes, this is what right. I wanted, you know? And I felt like I was honoring him, even though it was really, really hard to do. And, and yeah. since then, like anytime I do like a big project like that, or I do something that's kind of scary or uncomfortable, but I know it's good for me or that will lead. I'll be glad I did it once it's over. I think Chris would be really proud of me that I did that.
0: And Beautiful. what
1: a gift for him to give yeah. to me like permission instead of me going, Right, he'd feel so like, what a guy.
0: So, yeah, yeah I love that. And uh, what's the movie? So, our listeners can go see your performance. So, in-
1: that movie that I shot was Once I Was Engaged.
0: Okay. Fun. We haven't seen that one. That's the follow up to Once I Was a Beehive. Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, we'll need to watch that. Okay. Fantastic. Love it. Yeah. So, you shot that how many months after he passed?
1: Let's see. We shot that seven months after he passed.
0: Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, this was really yeah, fresh. Big
1: steps. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow.
0: Okay. That's amazing. I love that story. And uh-huh. I love so cool. Yeah. I love the permission. I love your friend, Haley. Uh, uh-huh. we, we saw her on show offs. Yeah. She's and she's fantastic. So and you
1: know, she knew him that this is the other gift is like when yeah. you have his friends, you're like, yeah, I don't want to tell you what he would like. I'm not going to speak on his behalf, but we both know he would think yeah. this is a great idea.
0: And I think that she's probably one of the few people that could get away with pressing you like that. Right. Oh, sure. and, and yes. So I think when we're talking with people that are grieving or struggling or dealing with betrayal or whatever else there has to be that bridge there. There has to be that knowing it's not funny if a stranger's trying to poke oh. at you like that. Well,
1: mm-hmm. and I couldn't do that, you know, like 2 months after he had passed, some good friends had asked me to be in a movie and they were like, "We don't know if this is like appropriate or not." And I was like, "Oh, it's always so nice to be asked, right?" And I was like, "Yes, I'll do it." And then the next day, like I couldn't stop crying for like 24 hours. I had like tripped a like a panic attack and yeah. Anyway, It's the worst. And I called him the next day and I was like, I feel like an idiot, but I can't do this. I can't even stop crying when I think, and they were like, oh my gosh, it's a totally okay. We're so sorry. But I felt so stupid. Sure. They couldn't have been nicer about it, by the way. Oh yeah. And so that's another reason why I was like nervous about like doing this. And also I should say too, that the director was McLean, which was one of my best friends. And so when he was like, we will just like whatever you need. And if you're having a bad day and I'll be right here, you know, and Mm -hmm. So you're right. Like I was spoiled in the sense that my friends knew that being together and laughing, especially after COVID, because I hadn't been around people for a long time. We had to be tested and then quarantine. Oh right. Uh, And they were like, "Let's bring your kids into it too, so that you don't have to leave them, so that they're here." Like
0: beautiful. Couldn't
1: have made it better. And when people talk about, you know, how do I help someone to grieve when they're going through a horrible time? You just ask them what they need, and then and you just listen to them and, and give them an opportunity to just feel connected. Just don't, Mm -hmm. don't do nothing.
0: Right. You know? Right. Yeah. 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 I I just think about, it's just all context, right? Like, so when you're close to someone, like you said, don't treat your grieving friend or or the person who's hurting, don't treat them like they're precious and they can't handle your relationship. That's what they need is your relationship. Because they've
1: lost so much, they don't want to lose your friendship too. Right. And that inevitably happens because everything changes when you, especially when a spouse dies, at like just your your routine, all of your relationships, right. your identity, yeah. your memories, everything changes overnight. And um, you lose friends. You know, you gain friends and, and are a deeper bond with some, mm-hmm. but you inevitably lose you feel so untethered, so disconnected. And so you're looking for that. And it's such a great gift when you just have a friend who's like, I'm still here. That was the worst that he died. I'm sorry. I'm still here.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's, That's all right. you need. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lisa, there's, I have like seriously like 30 more questions, yeah, but I know we need to wrap up this interview. Time. I just have so many other sorry, things. I'm I'm I want to
1: talker. Uh, oh, it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> heavens. No, it's fantastic. And this, you know, If I were to do a second episode with you on this topic, I would really want, and if you're open to coming back on and talking about this, I'd love to pick your brain and just talk together about, you know, we've talked about your story, which is grief and losing your husband, but there are so many people that are in our audience or that I work with in my practice as a therapist who are dealing with different types of grief, you know, betrayal from a loved one. There's so many different forms and they may wonder where humor fits into that. And I don't want to open up a whole nother episode now because I, sure. I I know we need to end this here, but like, if that's something that you'd be open to talking about in the future, we'd love to have you back on to,
1: yeah, I would to explore love to. that. I feel very passionately about it. Okay. And I will just say as a sort of a, you know, teaser of what I will say is, is that when you're going through something that's so hard and so, and is your worst thing, right? Like I always say without qualification, you know, Chris getting ALS and dying of it is the worst thing in the world because it's the worst thing that I've experienced, but everybody has their own worst thing. Right. And it doesn't help anybody to win the contest of, well, is your thing worse or better than mine? Like comparing tragedies and comparing your worst things helps no one. Mm -hmm. And so when you're living with that and you're living with your Mm -hmm. worst thing where you just don't think that there's anything that you could ever be happy again or that life is fair or that you can live in that before i just feel that staying true to who you are and you know there's a lot to that but i think most people know who who they are or can discover that helps you to realize that you know humor is totally appropriate because it's your life you're not waiting to live your life until you get through this horrible thing you're not right. waiting until other people understand you and see you and really know how hard it is. No, it's happening right now. And time is going by. So you got to grab on to whatever you can do because life is, this is it. This is it. And, you know, it's right. not the, the graduations and the, the baby births and the, all the big, wonderful days. It's the everyday life. And and unfortunately, it's a lot of like how you deal with pain. Like this is your life. So, so for me... I want humor to be a part of my life. This horrible thing happens, but it's happening now. So I'm going to grab onto it.
0: Mm, wow. Oh,
1: I love it. Beautiful. Yeah, good, okay. Good things to come. We're going to reconvene because
0: I want to finish that sneak preview. That sounds yeah. fantastic. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Lisa, thanks so much for just being so open with your story. Yeah. It's just been a blessing to our family. And I noticed so many. We'll have you back on soon.
1: Sounds good. Bye.
0: If you want to hear more from Lisa, you can find her on her own radio show, The Lisa Show, and you can find that at byuradio.org forward slash Lisa. And then we're also going to put some links in the show notes to some of her other work, because you just got to see some of the great stuff she's done, especially those chapbook commercials. Really, they're so funny. And she's just done some other great stuff. And of course, we referenced the Frankenstein video with her husband, Christopher, and uh, we'll put a link to that as well in there. There's just some great stuff that they've both done to bring lots of smiles and joy to people, even in the face of difficult, difficult suffering. Thanks again, Lisa. We look forward to having you back on the show to talk more about this topic. And I wanna thank all of you for being here every single week. It's great to connect with you. I know you're out there listening, looking for great resources. And I have one for you. I've got a free download on my website from connectioncom where you can go in and put your email address in and I will send you a free guide on how to end marriage arguments. That's right. Marriage is not easy. It does not come naturally to most of us. Even if we grew up with good marriage models, we still have to figure out how to live life and build connection with another person. And so I've created this guide to help you learn how to identify and disrupt some of the more harmful cycles in your relationship. So you can go to fromcrisis2connection.com, put in your email address and get that free guide. Thanks for being here every single week. We'll catch you guys in the next episode.